Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Um, we are in week two of a series that we started last week called Champion, and uh, I'm really am pumped about this series. Um, it, it comes from a vision that the Lord had given me a, a few years back, and I find myself reliving that vision almost on a weekly basis right now. I keep seeing something that I think is just crucial to the body of Christ right now, and, uh, and it came from 2 Timothy chapter three, where Paul told Timothy to run the race set out before him. And uh, this is a runner's baton. I've actually never held one, but um, I, I got one last week and uh, I, I've had so much fun like praying with this thing in my hand. Like it's like giving, making me like pray harder. Uh, I love it. Um, but I, I think of what it, how important it is for every runner in a race to do their part with all of their strength. And I just think like the gospel that's been handed to us is not our gospel. And if we're not careful, we can make it like how we feel about it or what we believe about it, or we can personalize it in such a way that it can really be harmful. We're going to pass this gospel on to the next generation, and we're going to wave goodbye to this thing. And we want to make sure that they saw people run the way that we saw those come before us run. People that gave their life for the gospel, people that laid their life down, like you want you to understand, like people have been martyred for the faith that they have in Christ Jesus. So this is something that like we can't be casual about. We can't love Jesus the way we love cheeseburgers. You understand? Like it's not like he gave his life for us. We live for him. And we live entirely for him. And so I, I think it's it's important that we run in such a way that our bodies are, 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 are prepared for the race that God has set out before us. Today's message is, um, I believe, timely for so many reasons. And uh, we're going to jump in here. I'm going to read a lot of old, I'm going to read passages from all over the Bible today. A lot of different stories. I'm going to start off in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And, uh, and then we're going to pray. And the scripture says this, Once again the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbai Benob uh, was a descendant of the giants, big dudes, and his bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. That's like having a stick with this thing on the end of it. <laughs> this guy was massive. And he was armed with a new sword. I like that. He had cornered David and was about to kill him, but Abishai, the son of Zenra, came to David's rescue and killed that Philistine. Yes. Can we pray? Dear Jesus, help. Praise you, Amen. Amen. I believe that this is a, a prophetic word, meaning it is for this time in the body of Christ. I believe we've been handed the gospel, and like David, I believe there are many people within the body of Christ that are tired, like David, just worn down, just exhausted. And I want you to understand, it can seem casual, our faith, but there is a war, a war that you're in, whether you realize it or not. And if you allow yourself to just be tired, you can miss the point and not slay the giant 
that the Lord has assigned to you in your life. It's not abnormal to be tired. In fact, it was kind of neat. We started this morning off. I get here before everyone else, and I get around praying and yelling, and before everyone else gets here, it feels good. And then uh, several people came in, and I asked, hey, how you doing? I'm tired. Hey, how you doing? I'm tired. Hey, how you doing? I'm tired. And I want you to know, I, no shame to any of it, actually. It's really an honor to know that people uh, are, love our church so much that they're willing to get here almost 7 o'clock in the morning to serve because they believe in what God's about to do in this room. I do recognize that people are tired. I've been tired. I've been burned out to the point where I, I actually, I, I can pray for hours a day, in, in a day, and there's sometimes where I don't know how to pray anything. I've gotten so exhausted. I don't know if you've ever been there. Jesus has been tired. So if you're feeling tired in your spirit today, I want you to know John chapter four, Jesus is at the well with the woman at the well. And the scripture says that they had gone through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to Samaria, a village, uh, and near the field of Jacob, uh, near the field that Jacob gave to Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk and sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. What I like about this is um, Jesus was tired from just walking. Didn't say he was running, didn't say he was carrying anything crazy, didn't say that he had done anything overly emotionally exerting that day. He was just tired, and it was only noon. And the scripture says that he had to sit down, and he needed a drink. And what I love about what's about to happen in Je for Jesus is Jesus had need when he was tired, and he couldn't get it himself. He needed the woman to help him. But he didn't miss his assignment even in being tired. And that's what I think is, is important is in our lives when you're tired, do you miss the things that matter most that God has placed in your life when you're exhausted? Do you just push everything off? Because he didn't miss the reality that he was there by divine appointment to encounter that woman because not only did he have something, she have something that he needed, he had something that she needed. Are you tired today? I, uh, the scripture says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let me just stop there for a second. You need to know in the generation that we live in, you are juggling some things. In no generation that's ever lived are we doing more things at once. Do we have more things that we're responsible to now maintain? Our mind doesn't get a break from being overly stimulated, and it can be exhausting. And I think about this as I think about the great cloud of witnesses, all the heroes of our faith that are watching down from heaven, watching us, cheering us on as if we are athletes in a race. Moses going, come on. I run, man. Run the lake. Don't, don't get bogged down by that stuff. Shake that stuff off. It's worthless. You don't need it. And he says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Get that crap out of your life. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with something, don't hang on to it. Let it go. He says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I think about how many friends that I have that have become born again in the 21 years that I've been a believer? 
And how many of them have done great things and prayed hard and seen miracles and seen God do great things, but their faith has burnt out. They've got exhausted, missed moments in their life when God was speaking to them because they weren't aware of the weight that they were carrying or the situations that they were in, and they don't finish the race. And that breaks my heart. I want you to know that I've been in seasons where I, I mean, I, it's been hard to pray. I've quit this job being a pastor so many times, it's ridiculous. It's hard sometimes to be a believer. But what it means to be a champion and to be the light of the world is to be available. When the lights go out for others, that my light is still on. And that's going to be massively difficult because this isn't a sprint. This is the longest marathon of our lives. And please understand, those that make the gospel sound easy and simple, and oh, they don't know the cost. Because anything that's valuable in life is going to cost you something. And there is nothing, not marriage, not children, not owning a home or some cool place of land, nothing will cost you more than being a believer. It'll cost you your pride. Oh, 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 oh man, if you're honest, it'll cost you everything. I don't want to see people quit. I don't want to see people fall short. I don't want to see people tempted to quit. I know that we can be weary, but today I'm talking to a bunch of champions that will champion their faith and receive the crown that Christ has for you in the day that we see him in glory. Are y'all with me? I'm going to start off here. First thing I think you guys need to know is that every athlete has the same goal before they start the season, to win, win the championship. We're bringing home, this is the year. I'm a New York Giants fan. I've been saying it for like the last, I don't know how long. It's probably going to be another rough year. They, they have a goal, um, but there's a difference because a champion, as they look back, they can say that they fought harder. They studied longer. They, they, they ran through physical pain. Many athletes will get injured and not tap. They'll play through that injury. There is something about, about a champion. There's, everyone has the same goal, but not everyone has the same habits. What are the habits that you have set in place in your life that's going to maintain your faith? Today, we're talking about athletes. It could be your job, your marriage, your children, but please understand that in my life, I am mostly talking about my faith. There is nothing that matters more to me in my life than my faith. And I want to make sure that I live the life worthy of the calling that Christ called me with. None of you died for me. Jesus did. And the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life was the day that I met Christ. I was a hot mess. I mostly still am. But what he did in my life, he gave me purpose, and I will live my life for him. My first point today, I, I think that many athletes need to understand, is you're going to need to be well-nourished in this faith, in this race. Well-nourished. Let me take you to Genesis chapter 25 to a, another man that wasn't so well-nourished, Verse 27, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. 
And he was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had quite the temperament, preferring to stay at home. And Isaac, Isaac loved Esau. And because he enjoyed eating wild game, Esau brought home. Uh, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Verse 29, it says, One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I am starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as your firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me right now? I want you to know that I believe that some of you are hungry. And if you're not careful, the things that matter most to you, if you're not getting the right nutrients, you'll make some really poor decisions. Some of your marriages are starving right now. And what happens when, when things that matter aren't getting the right nutrients? You can make really bad decisions in a moment's notice. Catch you off guard, not well nourished enough. You can supplement what is great for what's good. And it's worth waiting for the things that matter most to you. Don't push off date night. Don't push off time with your children. Don't push off uh, uh, waiting for the, for the right promotion to open. We can shortcut, guys. And if you look at people that have made shortcuts, man, it can be, it can be dangerous. I believe I'm talking to some people today. Esau was burned out. He was starving, man. He went on a journey doing good things. I want you to know, if we, if we were to talk about Esau amongst the church, Esau is the kind of guy you want in your church, the kind of guy that would go out for days to bring back something good. And in this situation, he came back hungry, and he made a poor decision because he didn't have the right food in his life. Some of you, like Esau, would go out for days to do work. What I mean by it is some of you are tired because you're doing good things. We live in a generation, there's a lot of people in our generation today that love to work. You'll work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And I want you to know, you weren't designed to work. I mean, it's part of your DNA, but you were designed to be with Christ. You need rest. Or you can make some really bad decisions. I'm telling you, to some of you, I am speaking very prophetically into your life right now. If you don't know how to stop, when you stop, you'll make some casualties. Esau made some really bad decisions because he didn't know that he needed rest. You were designed to be with Jesus. You were designed to be with your family. You were designed to be amongst friends. Do you remember that? Today, we're starting something in our church that I'm pretty excited about. Um, I believe that we all need food as believers. And what I see more now than ever is it grieves me because I see the body of Christ in a place where like never before, we have more Bibles in America than ever in history, some of you have three, four, five Bibles, you know, and I'm, that's so cool because people literally gave their life for the scripture to be translated for you to own that scripture. But what's so important is that you don't 
tune into Stephen Furtick or Pastor Tim to get a word from the Lord. You tune into the word from God. You go right to the source. Remember that game that we used to do when we were kids? Like I think they called it telephone. We would like say thing, and then it would say thing, and that's how some of you are getting the word of the Lord. And it's coming back around, and it's pretty diluted now. Today, we're going to start something. It's actually going to go out from the church right now. Some of you are going to start getting text messages. Uh, you may get it from the app. You uh, may get it on Slack, for those of you that are on Slack with us. Some of you may get it from Instagram or Facebook. But today, we're going to start a 40-day reading plan. Uh, there's going to be some breaks in there. There's some days of rest in case you miss a day. You don't feel bad and quit. Uh, I, I really love This is my favorite plan because I've been there where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read for like a whole year. And then like day 62, I, I forget to read. And then I just quit. You know, I'm three days behind. There's some Sabbath days built in. If you, if you miss a day, it's okay. But we want to read together. I believe that God is preparing us for something. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And what happens if in this love relationship with the bridegroom, as we are the bride, what happens in a relationship with husband and wife when they stop communicating? What if I only heard from my wife through another person? Wouldn't be very healthy for us. I care about where you're at, and I, I believe that what we need are the habits that will make us champions of our faith. And so today, we're starting that 40-day reading plan. You're going to get that text message. Jump in. Please invite some other people. Send the link out, but you're going to get that today. And if you don't get the message today, blow our church phone up later today because uh, we want to make sure that you're with us because this is something that we need to do corporately. In, in 21 days, we're going to start a 21-day fast, a prayer. We're going to pray really hard. We have some prayer uh, ideas for, you, for the church, but we want to start this thing off with scripture. Is that cool? If you're going to run, you have to be well-nourished. Does everyone agree with that? Does everyone agree with that? Yeah. Come on, we're like a team. Like, no, I'm, just, I'm not going to do like a chant and all that stuff. Okay, here we go. First thing you're going to need is, um, is stamina. Uh, second thing you're going to need, uh, no, the first thing you're going to need is to be well-nourished. The second thing you're going to need is stamina. So I think of people that run too hard, and then I also think of people that, um, that can't run long at all. Here's a cool verse, uh, um, it, it, and it comes from uh, Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 17, I believe. You're going to love this one. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. And, and for us, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding my staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed the top of a, of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But when he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms soon became so tired that they could no longer hold them up. I'm telling you, I've seen this in the church so much. When we lose our praise, forget about it. We start complaining about things that's going on in our life. Like, and we start forgetting what God has done for us and how far he's brought us and where we're at. And it happens when we get alone. But watch this. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side, holding Moses' hands up. 
So his hands were held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua, uh, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses to write down on a scroll a permanent reminder and read it out loud to Joshua, I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And you've heard that before, the Lord is my banner. I just wanted to read that because I thought that was cool. The Lord is my banner. I think it's so important that we can have, we can, when God's asking us to worship, which he is, that we can. If we're not careful right now in the body of Christ, right now, we can get tired and go, ah, I'm going to sleep in. I just don't feel like it. There's so many things that I don't feel like doing sometimes that makes it easy for us to quit. Church, we're a generation of quitters. You know, when, it's, when there's more divorces than there are marriages, what's happening? When it's easy to quit this job because, you know, they hurt my feelings or it's easy for me to not go to that church because they weren't as kind to me as I needed them to be. Like, so it's, it's, it's making it easier and easier for us to not do what God's calling us to do. And that's keep our hands up. People need to know, like, that's where my hope comes from. I pray that my kids see me worship. I pray that my friends know that when things are going wrong in their lives, that they can come to me because I won't stop worshiping because I'm a champion of my faith. I'm going to have the stamina. I will endure the race. It is difficult, but you ain't going to find quitting me. And I think, man, like I, I come from, I'm, I'm born in Pennsylvania and uh, Northeast Pennsylvania where it's like coal mining country. And I, I, I heard like story after story after story, people saying like, we didn't have sick days. Like I had fever and the flu and throwing up. We went to work. And now like if my throat has an itch or scratching it, like I need to sit this one out. I'm not feeling perfect today. And I just want you to know like that works if you don't have purpose. But I have a reason to wake up tomorrow and pray. I have a reason to go to church because we're building something that's going to influence the lost and those that are dying and going to hell. I'm not just running the race for me. I'm running it for those that are called to run with me. And, and when, when people aren't here, we feel it. If your pastor just decided to take a month sabbatical, I hope that you recognize it. We need each other. And we need to recognize that there's no like sleep in day for Christ. On my Sabbath, I worship. And I'm going to be where others are worshiping. I'm going to pour out my life as a drink offering. I don't know where some people are learning the gospel that it costs too much. It costs the disciples their life. It costs just about everyone their life. I know that you're tired. Me too. Does this make sense? All right. But when I think about champions, I think about those that don't quit. They, get, they, they, they lose a, a match or get punched in the mouth. I'm not quitting on the things that matter most to me. There's this cool passage. So when I think about why Moses was able to be successful, it was a lot, when I, all of these stories, actually. I think about the reason why David was able to slay that, that, that giant it's because he had a friend in his corner. When I think about uh, uh, how Jesus got some water, it's because he made a friend. When I think about the last story that we just read about, um, I don't know, what was it? 
uh, yeah, all of them. And so, so Moses, it was because he had friends in his corner that helped him when he was exhausted. And I wonder, do you have friends in your corner that are helping you maintain the fight? Because the enemy is creating an introverted generation right now that's teaching you how to be secluded and be alone and telling you that that's okay. But none of us were designed to live on the mountain. We were designed to be amongst the people. We did, one of our core values of our church is relationships because I believe that I need you to be passionate about Jesus. This last Wednesday night, we came to church and we worshiped at Deeper and I heard Joy's testimony and I heard, I heard Shay's testimony and I heard Chino's testimony and I got so fired up. I worshiped the rest of the night louder and stronger and more confident because what I realized is I need your story. It charges me. And you need me because when you're weak, we're... I believe the church is supposed to be the most passionate thing on the planet. Like you have musicians out there that would spend days learning how to play the guitar. We were saved by the God of the universe and he put his spirit inside of us and gave us a gospel and said, I want you to run and I want you to reach the lost. We have a greater mission than anyone on earth. I have to keep going. Uh, the last one, I think, is a hard one, man. And uh, it's, it's a, it's, I think we're going to need reliance. This is a difficult one, man, and it's hard for me. I realize that a lot of us are tired today. And if I, we were in a marathon, you bet, you'd understand. You look to the person next to you, and you, you, can, you know they're tired too. They've gotten leg cramps. They may have just thrown up a couple blocks back. Like, who knows what's going on? They're tired. They want to quit. But there's a reason why they're, they're trying to push through this last point here, reliance, is a difficult one. Currently today as we stand, one of my friends for over 20 years um, is, is about to lose his wife today of over 25 years to cancer. And uh, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. Hospice is there, and she's, she's been struggling with cancer for over seven years, and it's all through her body, and, and today they're, they're there. She, has, she, she can't even sit up in bed, and um, they're about to let her go today. And, uh, and I want you to know that there are some people like, like my friend who's looking at his wife and he in, him, in himself is tired. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're physically tired and you're emotionally exhausted. That's a different kind of tired. I, I want you to know I understand that. Jesus understands that when he carried the cross. That's my favorite thing about, about everything that I'm going through in my life. It feels like Jesus related to it somehow. Let me just take you in Scripture real quick to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Hopefully I have this here. This is a cool story about David who went to war. And three days later when David, um, uh, him and his men arrived at the home in the town of, of, of Ziklag, they found the Amicalites had made raid uh, into, their, into, into their village and they crushed their village and burnt it to the ground. And they carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and he realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could not weep anymore. David's two wives, um, and the widow of Nebel uh, uh, from Carmel were among those who were captured. And David was now in great danger because of all of his men were very bitter and about losing their sons and their daughters. And they began talking about even killing him. 
But when David found strength in the Lord his God, and then he said to the priest, bring me the ephod. I love that, man. That's a leader right there. Let's get, let's, let's pray. Jesus. Verse eight, then David asked the Lord, should I chase after these band of raiders and will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, yes, go after them and you will surely recover everything that he has taken you. So David and his 600 men set out. They came to the brook of Bezer, but 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross over the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. I don't know if you know, but when you're going to war, you don't want to lose a third of your team. And there were some people on the team that were too exhausted from war, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, and now we've got to go to war again, and I just don't have it in me to fight right now. And what I love about this story is there are times in your life, maybe in your marriage, where you, you can't do it. You're going to need someone else to carry this. It's like all of these stories talking about people being tired, they needed someone else to help them. I pray that you realize there's some cool teams that's happened, you know, like you could talk about like the Dolphins team that won like that thing in football or whatever, like went undefeated and like some great teams that God put together. Maybe the USA Dream Team basketball with, with, with Mike and Magic and Bird and all these guys. You can talk about some great teams. The God of the universe had a plan to put together a team. It's the church. Some of us have a hard time trusting our neighbor. There's some powerful militaries out there in the world, none greater than the U.S. military. I believe with every fiber of my being, the greatest army that God's ever assembled is supposed to be his church. And maybe it's because in the U.S. military, they teach them how important the person next to them is going to protect them. You need to know there's some people in here that are going to fight for you and you can't fight for yourself. My friend can't pray today. He doesn't have the right words to pray. I'll pray for you. And when I'm weak, I believe my church will lift my arms. So we were designed to do is have each other's back. And some of us have trust issues amongst the church because we've been hurt by other churches. You need to know the U.S. military, they've had that happen before too. It's called friendly fire. And many of those soldiers get right back in the war. It happens, guys, I'm sorry. But the Lord has a plan to raise up his church to fight, to run. Because there are people out there that are crying themselves to sleep tonight on their pillow they have no hope. They don't know where the finances are going to come to pay the bills. They don't know if their kid's going to wake up from a coma. They don't know if their husband's going to come home from that other, that, that other girlfriend that he has. There's some people that are going through life, and the hope that was designed for them is the church. And many of us are so tired living in our own world that we don't recognize that he's called us to fight for others. As this story would end, David and the 400 men go off to war. They beat the Amicalites. They bring back their families and all the spoils that were taken from their homes that were burned. But they give the families back to the 200 that were too tired to fight for themselves. And they give the gold and the pots and all of the resources that were taken. They give it back for them. 
One of the, my favorite things that happens in our church is when we see someone's car break down and someone else help. Someone's dishwasher breaks and someone shows up at their house with a new dishwasher. I love it when the church is the church. You have a reason to worship today. You have a reason to fight. Let me end with this scripture. Are you guys still with me? I know a lot of you guys are tired because you're in a war. You think it's because of work and because of stress. The enemy has a strategy. See, if he can't slow you down, oftentimes he'll speed you up. Some of us are just so tired from doing so many things. We need to hear this verse real quick. It's one of my favorites. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I'm going to read it to you in three different translations. Deb, would you come? Let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. For in due season we shall reap a harvest if we don't lose heart. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The enemy would have nothing more than for you to sleep in. And I'm proud of you for coming. I'm telling you, and I believe that we're living in such a time where the enemy is going to make it easier and easier and easier for people to be as lukewarm and as comfortable as possible. But when this was handed to me, no one asked me to run as comfortably as I wanted to. They said, there is a world out there that needs Jesus. Pray for them. Give to them. Go after them. Love them. I know some of you are tired, some hard things going on in your life, and the enemy has some strategy to wear you down. But I believe we're going to need each other. And I also believe the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 40, no one can measure the depths of God's understanding. For he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. For even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall into exhaustion fact but those those that trust in the Lord will find new strength and they will soar on wings like eagles and man I'm telling you as worship is born out in here today doesn't matter how tired I am I'm right where I need to be man someone hooked me up to the right electricity I mean it's like God's zapping through my body yeah let's do it man I'm sorry I get corny sometimes they will run and not get weary, and they will walk and not faint. There's a call of God on your life. Some of you want to know what it's going to mean to run the race and win the gold. When you talk to a champion, they can look back and they know what price it cost them. They decided to study. They decided to run and exercise to get around people that were going to help them get to their goal. You're not called to do this alone. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to train your bodies, eat the right stuff, and you're going to have to stay in God's word. Please, if you don't hear anything else today, join me. I'm running it with you. Next 40 days, two chapters a day. That's all I'm asking you to do. You have a long car ride, you can even play it on audio. I don't care. Please read two chapters a day with me. Let Jesus, we're reading from the Gospels. Let Jesus, uh, let, let the passion of Jesus uh, reframe your life.
Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me real quick? I believe that there are some folks here in this room today. There's a call of God on your life. Are you living for Jesus? Are you giving him everything you got? Are you fighting the good fight? I know you're tired. Even youth gets tired and weary, but those that wait on the Lord, I believe the Spirit of God is here right now, and he's calling you for purpose, to reach those that are broken and hurting and dying. Some of it's in your family. Some of it's your children. He is giving you purpose. And every head in this room bowed and every eye closed in this room, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need, I need you to pray for me so I can have strength to persevere. I want to pray a special prayer over you. If that's you, you raise your hand. God bless you. 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 Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you. I love when the scripture tells me that I'm weak and I'm broken. Because I identify with that. The scripture says that in John chapter 15, without you, we can do nothing. I can't win this race without you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your download. You've called me to champion my faith to a generation that's broken and hurting, and I find in myself brokenness and hurting. And the advantage that I have, Lord, is that I have you. And I pray you pour out your spirit in this room right now. You pour out your spirit in this room right now. I speak strength into you. I speak strength into you. I speak vision into you. I speak purpose into you. I speak hope into you. I speak purpose into you. I speak strength into you. I speak the Holy Spirit over your life. 